0: Okay. Today, we'll be covering Hadith 12. The title is Greed in the Heart. But before we get into that, uh, Ariba was going to share some something of uh, a lot of It's very relevant and also very important. So, if you want to go ahead and.
1: Okay, yeah. So, sala like on most of you know me and if you didn't it's become very clear (laughs) in this halakha that i'm a therapist (laughs) um and my background specifically or my specialization or whatever you want to call it is in domestic and sexual violence and october is domestic violence awareness month (laughs) so i just wanted to talk a little bit about it and like what we can do as individuals in our community Uh, i'm not going to get too like graphic or anything just in case anyone's worried but if the topic in general is just triggering, feel free to get up, leave the room, do whatever you need to do, or just move, sometimes walking is helpful. Um, but um, I have like some worksheets here if anyone is curious, um, that go over some of the basics of domestic violence. So domestic violence in general is violence occurring in the home, and um, it can be categorized into different types. And this is just good to know because when you're looking for resources, grants uh, will limit, because um, there's limited funding, yeah, they'll focus. Problem. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just want to introduce, okay. Wakar is the landlord, uh, owner of this so And he actually the one who spent lots of uh, resources to mm-hmm. make uh, the entire remodeling inside here and for the other office for free for us. And he gave us three months also for rent. So. He spent almost over $20,000, $30,000 worth of work over here and there mm-hmm. with the three months rent. So I just want to thank him and thank you, tell you who is actually supporting yeah. no, You've got mm-hmm. take
0: good, good
1: use out of that, you know, inshallah. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. You. Definitely. Jazakallah. Yeah. Yeah. Like thank you. Thank so you. Okay. you. <laughs> There are, uh, domestic violence and violence occurring in a home, and um, sometimes it'll be categorized into two different kinds: intimate partner violence, which is violence between two partners that are like physically intimate, and then family violence, which can be from like a parent or like child to an el- elderly parent or um, just other family members. Uh, so that's just good to know because when you're looking for resources, some organizations will only offer services for intimate partner violence, and some will specifically offer it for family violence. And that is the case in Sacramento. Um, So it's good to be aware. Um, So I won't go into this, but if you're curious or want to learn more, there's different types of abuse. Most of the time when people think of domestic violence, they think of physical violence. So like hitting, pushing, that sort of thing. But um, there is also emotional abuse, or sometimes people call it mental abuse. There is sexual abuse, financial, spiritual, and technological um, so yeah there's lots of different kinds and there's like examples of each kind but this can be kind of overwhelming <laughs> to go over or even look at so just be mindful of the headspace you're in when you go over it or if you share it with someone um, especially if you know someone who's experiencing domestic violence and maybe they're like a little bit in denial like this can kind of help them recognize what's going on but it can be really overwhelming for someone to recognize that so I always give a disclaimer before I share this with someone. Um, But it's a really good resource. Um, And also, like, the types of abuse are categorized different ways um, in different places. But this is a good breakdown that's pretty holistic. Um, So uh, domestic violence is not, like, exclusive to one community. It happens everywhere. And it definitely happens in the Muslim community. And we're not immune to it. and it has like very profound impacts on the community um, and so that's why it's important for us to be aware of it. Probably one of the biggest impacts that I see that is relevant to the Talqa too is like spiritual trauma that results as a result of abuse. And I've seen quite a few women decide to leave Islam because of domestic violence or sexual violence that they've experienced. Um, and it's not just the abuse in itself, but it's also the response from the community that um, can lead them down that path. So I think it's really important for us to be informed about like how we can respond when someone shares with us that they're going through this type of experience. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. So if anyone wants this, there's tons of copies here. And then um, as far as like responding at an individual level, Um, This is from HEART, if you're familiar with HEART. They focus on sexual violence, but this is a very relevant way to respond to anyone disclosing domestic or sexual violence they're going through. So they call it Respond with Rahma. And Rahma, as we all know, means compassion and mercy. Um, But they use it as an acronym. So it says, respond by listening. So that's really important. Actively listening really being present when someone shares this with you. Um, affirm and believe. That's a huge one. Believe them. Validate their emotions. Um, so just say, like, it, it makes sense that you feel this way. Believe what they're saying. Um, this is where a lot of people go wrong <laughs> because they may not believe it because it's a hard thing to hear. And depending on who is perpetrating the violence, it can be hard for someone to believe that they're capable of that type of behavior. Um, <clears throat> but that goes a long way of simply listening and believing. Um often like when folks like at work when folks would come and share their stories with me and we're a domestic violence agent at the time, I was working at a domestic violence agency, they would really over-explain a lot, and I would just be like, You don't have to get into it, like I believe you. Mm-hmm. And that in itself was like a very powerful experience for them because they always felt like they had to over explain and justify like what they were going through. Um, on our cultural and religious context and values. So Pretty straightforward, <laughs> honor cultural background. Even within Islam, there's a lot of diversity in the way that folks practice, so just be aware of that. Um, and honor like cultural context as well, to the best of your ability. Um, the M is for maintain privacy, which is pretty straightforward. There's a lot of stigma and taboo around this um, topic. So uh, sometimes folks will not share simply because they're worried about their reputation and how um, they'll be perceived, if they'll be perceived as like weak, or like having bad judgment for choosing a partner like that, or or whatever, um, or how like their family will be viewed, or there's so many different layers. So maintaining privacy is really really important. Um, and then assist with providing resources. So give them resources, kind of give them an idea of like what a next step might look like, um, and like agencies like when I used to work at Weave. Um, we would do a lot of like planning. So like if someone was thinking of leaving, we would do a lot of safety planning, how to leave safely, and things like that. So there are organizations that can help people take that step if they would like to. Um, and some things to know is it is really, 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 really hard <laughs> to leave uh, an abusive relationship. There is like safety concerns. There is all the stigma that people have to navigate. Um, and there's a lot of mixed feelings and a lot of grief. So it's not uncommon for someone to really love their abuser and feel like a a huge sense of loss, even when it's really clear that this person's hurting them. So as a support person, understanding that is really important. Um, Statistically, if someone is leaving an abusive relationship, it will take them seven attempts before they fully leave. Um, And so as a support person, that can be emotionally taxing, like seeing someone go through that. But you can't make anyone do anything. And being too pushy about moving in a certain direction generally never works in any area of anything. So you always want to remind people that they're the expert of their life. It's their decision. Um, But you have concerns, and you're there in whatever way that they need. Um, So if anyone would like a copy of the Respond with Rahma, I have that as well. And then as far as like at a community level, if you do have, um, if you're doing community organizing and that type of stuff, it's important that we offer training to like leaders in the community about how to manage domestic violence if cases come to them. Um, it's important to just have open dialogues about it because there is a lot of stigma, um, and it's important to, as a community, to hold people accountable. So if we know that someone is abusive, like not giving them a platform to speak. That is probably one of the most harmful things that communities do, um, and that is a big plays really huge, into the spiritual trauma that victims um, often deal with. Um, so yeah, that's my blurb. If anyone is has any questions, you're welcome to ask me, um, and feel free to take worksheets if you'd like. But
0: can you pass them? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. In or direction. we could just do like
1: a table and pass it down. Yeah. yeah. questions About the types
0: of abuse or anything, you're welcome to come back. Thanks for sharing. Yeah.
1: You, already, you already have? You
0: guys already Yeah, sure. Okay, has. so we can, or I can we we give have them back there. Yeah. yeah,
1: please. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
0: I had a question. Heart is this Sahar Perzada? Okay. Is it? What happened? And I had a question, but I wasn't sure if we wanted to go into the ID. Well, I, I think right now, if you have a question regarding this, then it would be a time. I was going to ask what what do you do with a person, or how do you deal with a
1: person who's kind of like in denial? In denial? Who's in the situation? Yeah. That is, that works like right that, sure. you said going back seven times. Because it's hard, it's hard to recognize, for sure. Yeah. Um, so generally, I will just ask questions about how they feel in the relationship. Do you feel respected? Do you feel safe? Those are kind of some of the words that I use to, like, get an idea um, and see if they can, if they're noticing it. Because um, if they answer those questions honestly, you know, yeah. they might start to, <laughs> Um, if they're not able to an- answer those honestly, they might, not, they might just not be ready. If there's like a safety risk, then sometimes I just directly bring that up. Like, hey, I noticed this, and that doesn't feel really safe um, for you or your kids, if there's kids involved. Um, because we know from research that kids as young as an infant, just being in that environment is impacted by domestic violence. Um, you'll start seeing behavior issues like once they go to school and stuff like that. So um, yeah. So I think that can also be a way not to, like, (laughs) Uh, just, yeah, just kind of bringing up, like, oh, I noticed, like, your your son, this is happening with your son. Like, why do you think that is? Is there some way I can support you? Always gently, always with a lot of compassion. Yeah, and even just like safety concerns, I'll just mention, like, I'm worried about you. Like, you know, I have friends who've definitely been in these situations, and it's really hard to watch them go back and come out. So it definitely requires a lot of patience and like very gentle, Mm -hmm. like nudging and just being available as much as you can um, when they need the space to vent. Yeah. That's a good question. Any
0: other? questions. I want to offer a clarification that a lot of people uh, <clears throat> within the Muslim community, they try to justify domestic violence with Quran, mm-hmm. and there's a specific ayat that's often altered and, and taken out of context and manipulated, essentially, to make it seem like it's justifying it, but it's not. I mean, the, those three, uh, the the three steps that are mentioned. This is in, at, I think, A34. Um, within that, I think, uh, a thirty four. Within that aya, if it mentions that if there are uh, serious issues, if there are serious concerns, then then there are three steps that are mentioned to potentially help remedy the situation. And the next ayah says, and if each side is looking to reconcile, then if they want, they can appoint someone on their behalf to represent them and to participate, basically, in that process of reconciliation. Um, I mention that because in order for there to be reconciliation, then it's automatically implied that things didn't cross certain lines. So in that ayah... Not to go into it too much, but Allah mentions three, uh, three steps, or three stages. Uh, the first one is, you know, if there are these lingering issues, the first one is to try to speak with, for one spouse, to, to speak with the other. And if there are still issues, for them to essentially take a break, for them to uh, sleep separately and just kind of, more or less, take a temporary break from each other, from the relationship, and then the third step, it actually doesn't, it just flat out doesn't make sense, even if someone tries to explain it by saying it means to to hit them lightly or to tap them lightly. When was the last time you ever heard of any marriage therapist, any LMFT, saying that, you know, you should take your toothbrush and you should, like, that that's going to help you. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And... What what that part of the ayah, actually Yahya Amriki does a really good job explaining this in his translation of the Qur'an, which also has, like, Tafsir intertwined. So the way that he explains it is, the way the Prophet himself lived these three steps, alayhi there was a time, and it's referenced in Surah Ahzab, in Surah 33, when there were some major issues between him and his wives, and so... He tried speaking to them the issues remained so he took a break for a month and then um, after that he gave them the option and this is mentioned in the quran it it was a fork in the road either we continue with these conditions or we don't continue and we separate we go through that process of divorce i'll be generous with you and like i'll take care of you you know in a sense no hard feelings like Either we go in direction A or direction B. So that's how he lived. The concept وضربوهن, And the term ضَرَبَ I mean this is a whole uh, discussion but the way that that word, the way that that root is used in the Qur'an in different places, I mean that term is used for telling stories. وَضْرِبْ لَهُمْ مَثَلًا أَصْحَابِ الْقَرِيَةِ إِذْ جَاءَهَا الْمُرْسَلُونَ I mean some translations may translate it very literally which completely loses the texture. And strike forth the parable of this or that, or like. If you really want to use the term "strike," like, give an example, right? Share this story. Explain this to them. Uh, in in Surah az that term is used for making a living. To 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 travel through the the earth and to and to make a living. I mean, no one no one is going to misinterpret the way that word is being used in the ayah. So the point is. That word can be used in a number of different ways and it has to be understood and interpreted in an appropriate way that is befitting of the Qur'an, that's befitting of Allah, that's befitting of the Messenger So the way that he lived this three-step three process, he spoke to them, the ayah mentions that, he took a break for a month, the ayah mentions that, and then he gave the ultimatum that either we remain married with these conditions or we get divorced and so there was that fork in the road. It makes sense that the ayah afterwards says, and if they wish to reconcile, then let them each appoint someone and they can try to figure it out. If they're sincerely trying to figure it out, then Allah will help them in that process. Just to mention that that ayah clearly does not... I mean, plus the, the best tafsir is the Prophet himself. The best explanation of Qur'an is the Prophet himself. So for him, he was described as he never he never ever uh hit a woman, a child, a servant and the only time he hit a man was in the battlefield. So even then, like it's so specific and it's such a narrow um example of of like literally when it's a life or death situation. Okay, that's totally different otherwise. I mean, you don't have any examples of that. And what's really sad is when At times both sides on the man's side and on the woman's side at times sadly they may both think that the ayah says that it's okay for one spouse to hit the other that's extremely problematic especially if that harm is done and then for the one who the harm is done to for them to think oh this is okay this is okay in Islam this is okay you know, in in the Quran, when that that's that's not what's Why is supposed it to translated happen. In English as well, because the I mean that we have a Iraqi Arabic expert here <laughs> <laughs> who can break it down in uh, in detail if she wanted. But that word it can be interpreted and translated in different ways. Why is it translated in that way? I I don't know. It's like if if there are. Um, yeah, yeah Emrech, he doesn't translate it in that way, uh, I'd have to, you can pull up the PDF for his um, translation online if I find it or if anyone finds it, we can send it in the chat, because that. this is why I have this, like, huge brain bookshelf, like, the explanation, the explanations that I kept hearing just over and over and over, or reading or whatever, it just it didn't make sense. And then eventually, after enough digging, I came across his explanation. And then now it made sense. And there's the evidence from the seerah, from the life of the Prophet. This is how he lived it. This is how he um, went about things. So, if it's translated in that way, if it's explained in that way, then whoever's doing that, they're responsible for that. Just like in, in, uh, in other ayahs, it, it's a very overly simplified translation. If uh, someone takes the ayah, some translations will say, O you who believe, do not take the Jews or Christians as friends. And if you do so, then you're from among them, and God doesn't guide the wrongdoing people, and this and that. So if you look at it based on... Because you're relying on the translator. If you interpret the ayah at face value, and if that's the translation, then someone, especially in... America and someone in a Western country is going to think, "Oh, I can't have Jewish or Christian friends because look, this is what the ayah says." But wali awliyat is different than astiqat. It's different than a friend at school. It's different than an acquaintance. Wali is like a uh, a a protector. And the context of these ayahs, there were some people who basically put out a hit on the Prophet wasalam. <laughs> There were. We'll just act like nothing happened uh there there were some people who put out a hit on the prophet i forget if if they were planning it or if or if they attempted to kill the prophet I, either way that i mean he's the head of state and he's a prophet and, and and um so in that context the the head of the hypocrites was intervening on their behalf saying no 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 like you know basically defending them and then Allah reveals these ayahs in connection with that context. Hey, person who claims to be Muslim, but there are some serious issues, don't do that. Don't Like, if there's war in that situation, or some major conflict between the Muslims and whoever else, if you're going and consciously supporting the enemies of the Prophet against him, I mean, what kind of a Muslim are you? So, in, in that context, it's understood. Oh, you who believe, and that includes those who claim to believe, i.e. hypocrites, don't take them as your awliya, don't like prefer their protection, don't prioritize your loyalty to them over your loyalty to Allah and his messenger. The point is, some things, of course, generally speaking, the the there's a sense of husnudhan, there's a sense of having a good opinion of other people and I don't think it's necessarily going to be translated in that way intentionally. Uh, at least we hope not. It can be an innocent mistake, bad mistake at that, but um, that's why it's helpful that we have so many different resources, uh, especially those translated uh, into English. And there are a lot of different talks and lectures from different scholars on different platforms and all that. So. I just wanted to mention that because that, I unfortunately is very uh, misunderstood and misapplied at times, and it just—I mean—if if someone, if they just have a basic understanding of who the prophet was, immediately they're again—it's going to be confusing. Like, what does it really say? This, but what about based on his personality? What about when he did this? When he did that? How? Like the same person who somehow managed to pardon the people of life after that happened hoping that you know maybe their kids will become Muslim which is exactly what happened all of a sudden there so it's I mean it's a whole discussion but I just wanted to mention that in connection with this Um, have you ever come across people kind of justifying it in their minds (laughs) I
1: have definitely like when I've done panels, like in Miss mm-hmm. like on this topic, guaranteed guarantee there's always someone in the audience mm-hmm. that brings that
0: eye up mm-hmm. To justify it. To
1: justify
0: it. Oh my god. I, I, and
1: then like, I turn red, and then I, well, <laughs> and then I Like, like there. And then I'm like quiet for a few minutes so I don't say anything terribly rude. <laughs> and then I like no, it's okay. defer no, to no, someone no. else to answer because I just can't. <laughs> there was moment. someone that was like arguing that wow. with the imam speaker. Like in the audience, yeah, I usually defer to the imam in the panel, because mm-hmm. they wouldn't even take me seriously if I answered. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to die, Yeah. are <answer laughs> yeah. yeah. a woman, <laughs> you shouldn't the so so then I- I'll usually also just bring up, like, you want to be careful of the questions you're asking. Like, it's going to make it hard for other folks to ask questions or share. Mm-hmm. And once that question is asked, then mm-hmm. it just creates... Not like the safest space for people to. I think yeah. Anything yeah. then that gives you more of an incentive to mention it before they can even ask. Mm-hmm. Right. And if it like literally just just bring it up. I, like I love doing that too, where you bring up taboo subjects so that if someone ends up bringing it up, it's not just like awkward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I know that there's another ayah too that talks about like how a man has the right over a woman in bed essentially. Something along the lines of that. I've heard that being brought up as well. Am I incorrect about that? I. Or am yeah. I. I I don't know yeah like like fulfilling
0: his desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah that's, that's the And what, what that there also know. I, I know that I but I don't so yeah. mm-hmm. uh if it's, the also, it's in that ayah it's from surah al-baqarah
1: So that I'm the context
0: uh, of the ayah is from surah al-baqarah um
1: I was talking about Ramadan Right. And then after that, like you right. cannot have it in morning times, just mm-hmm. like in the evening, and then mm-hmm. it says, uh, it will have to come at national.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and then if you, if you decide to, then, then you can. And within that, there's also, sorry, there's also the, uh, within that area, there's also the prohibition of, so there, it mentions what's allowed, and then by default, other things would, would not be allowed um, within
1: Situation. There's many people out there. I mean, I I remember on the hotline uh, we had a few calls like this where it was like a woman who had converted to Islam and was like talking about the abuse in her relationship and mm-hmm. was like, "But this is normal, right?" Because like he told me this is how Islam is, and I was like, "No, mm-hmm. <laughs> no." Which is also yeah. where like <laughs> yeah. knowledge can empower people. Yes. Hundred percent. Go and seek knowledge yourself, so that you're not just like relying on your husband to teach you what is right. Is like, not. And I mean, that's also an important piece to remember is like when we see like content like that in like messages and stuff where imams are posting ridiculous things about sexual violence or domestic violence that are not victim centered. Mm -hmm. um, For like myself, seeing that, I'm like, okay, well, I know that that's not, that doesn't align with Islam and this person is trying to like hold on to power and control or whatever, right? Mm but there are a lot of people who don't have the privilege of having access, right? And like, didn't go to an Islamic school their whole life, or didn't grow up in the masjid, and mm-hmm. like, their only experience of faith is like imams on social media mm-hmm. <laughs> or oh, whatever, right? And mm-hmm. then they, if they're trying to connect to faith, and that's what they're seeing, then that turns people away.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Two to three. So that I has to do, uh, w- so like you said, within, it's right after the ayahs of Ramadan? It was,
1: I think, before. Before, okay. I was talking about
0: Ramadan, i need to check Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd have to see the placement, but that doesn't, I mean, the, the, I think a good way to look at these different things is just like, it takes two to tango, right? So just like one person in a relationship. Has rights so does the other one just like one has responsibility, so does the other one so it's and in any healthy functional relationship there has to be communication there has to be an understanding there has to be uh, the, the presence of, rahmah, of compassion so it, it, it and then oftentimes if uh, if it gets you know taken out of context, or kind of twisted and manipulated in this way or that way in a very self-serving way, then it's kind of like, well, is, is that really what's intended? Because you can have what's explicitly stated, what's intended by it, what's the context of it, and so on and so forth. So hey, may Allah make it easy for you know anyone out there dealing with these types of issues. May Allah make it easy for them, and, and may Allah help them, and may Allah help us to help them as best we can. I have a question to read, but is that why your water bottle is purple? No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm the just asking. That's all my favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> but there is some connection, right, between the color of purple? Yeah, yeah domestic violence and...
1: awareness, and like the okay. color <clears throat> of it is
0: purple. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. got that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 okay. So we can... Any Any other comments or questions before we move on to the... Hadith.
1: Hadith twelve. The only other thing I wanted to say is that you just have to be very careful when just taking one ayah and then looking at that one ayah. I think we all know that to a degree, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even when we're talking about reading the translation, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. It's not enough. Like you, whether you know Arabic, whether you don't know Arabic, whether you understand the word, whether you don't understand the word, like subhanAllah you have to take the Quran as a whole and then you substitute that with the hadith and then you substitute that with the life of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa that with what the scholars have said. Mm-hmm. And so to see people take one ayah and then two words from the one ayah just isn't easy. Yeah.